You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. We are using the message. Jesus speaks. I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father. You didn't choose me, remember. I chose you and put you in the world to bear fruit, fruit that won't spoil. As fruit bearers, whatever you ask the Father in relation to me, he gives you. But remember the root command, love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Julie. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In 2020, I only officiated one wedding. In 2021, I feel like I'm officiating a wedding every other weekend. One of the things that I like best about weddings is when I get to talk to the couple and explain to them that they are a gift from God to each other. The love that each feels for their partner gives them a glimpse into the love that God feels for them. So their actions should reflect this love. But this, of course, is not limited to marriages. The people in our lives, the friendships, the children and grandchildren and fellow church members and churchgoers are given to us as a gift. These are the people who help us through the tough times and celebrate the good times and enable us to put our faith in a loving and generous God into our everyday being. If we see each person as a gift and take that a step further, see them as a child of God, then we should be able to do what the scripture tells us and love one another the way Christ loves us. This is the very best way to love. James Moore tells the story of Lowy, a Kenyan boy who lived in a small village with his family. 
One day, Lawi was babysitting his younger brother while the rest of his family were working out in the sugarcane fields. While he was home, their hut caught fire, and it was quickly enveloped in flames. Lawi was outside, and his brother was inside, and so he jumped up and ran into the blazing hut and found his baby brother trapped by a burning rafter which had fallen on him. Lawi worked quickly to free his brother. Finally, he did. He picked him up, carried him outside, and revived him, just as the hut caved in. By this time, the villagers had gathered outside the smoldering remains. They'd been too frightened to go inside or do anything to help, and they were tremendously impressed with Lawi's courage. They congratulated him on his heroic efforts. Lawi, you're very brave. Weren't you frightened? What were you thinking as you ran into that burning hut? Lawi said, well, I wasn't thinking anything. I just heard my brother crying. This is the very best way to love. When we hear the cries of our brothers and sisters and we respond in love, recognizing each one is a gift. I think like many of us, I've really struggled with the pandemic, especially during the stay-at-home orders. I struggled because I'm an extrovert, I love to be with people, and I lived in a house of three other introverts. And I kept waiting for that article to come out that would talk about how to care for the extroverts. Never happened. But I also struggled because I'm a pastor, and like many of you, I found it very hard to do my job the way I feel called to do it. I missed visiting in the hospitals. I still do. I missed hands-on missions and getting to know people through transformational mission experiences. I missed holding babies and having children wander into my office. I missed being able to help when I heard my brother or sister crying. I miss the relationships that are birthed over lunch or coffee or in my office or sitting in the pews. I spent a lot of time on the phone calling parishioners just to check on them. It was nice to have that time. I mean, in my regular day-to-day, I don't have that kind of time. And so it was nice to be able to simply call and say, how are you doing? I wish that every day would allow us to still do that. But it was hard to truly be there for people, to connect in the ways that we've been taught to connect, in ways that build and nurture relationships. We had to get creative. And let's be honest, we still do because we're not fully back. Now, one of the discoveries that I made when I returned back here to Clarkston was when Sean Wood shared with me about how her family stayed connected and continued to build relationships through the stay-at-home orders, through the pandemic. She'd been part of a group who was creating multi-generational service projects to do here with the church. And just before the shutdown, they were set to do a day of service But then, of course, the world shut down, and that wasn't possible. 
And so still wanting to help and to stay connected with others, uh, Sean and some others reached out to Deacon Laura, who gave them a list of some of our older seniors. One of the names that she gave to to Sean was Charlie Barnett. I want you to listen and watch for a moment as Sean and her daughter Emerson tell us about the relationship that was birthed with Charlie and what it meant to them. And then I got canceled because COVID happened. And so um, Pastor Laura provided us a list of people in the church who were um, home alone so that we could do something still, like our committee wanted to do something still. And so we started with making stained glass, the tissue paper stained glass crosses, and then just delivered them to the people on the list. But Charlie really struck a chord um, with the girls because he was so excited when he brought the stained glass cross. And, um, and then he showed us the stained glass in the house, right? And, um, and he sent us cards and he just has been, it was just a really special um, connection that the girls really loved him and so they started doing stuff for him and it became a relationship. Yeah, that's neat. Emerson, you said, how did you say that it, why did you say that it was important that we um, have these kinds of relationships? Because we weren't really seeing that much people and it was really good. Yeah, and how did it make you feel? Uh, really good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You said it made you feel seen, right? Yeah. And that they, that the people that you thought, you know, Charlie felt seen too, right? Kind of an important feeling during COVID, huh? Probably yeah. all the time, but felt more important during that time. I think that's one of the neat things that the church provides is those special kinds of intergenerational relationships. Um, why was that important for your, for you to have your kids do? do that kind of thing. I want this to be a, like a, it is like a family. Yeah. And so, um, having my kids have relationships with all sorts of people who are positive role models, who are, believe in God and who have faith and who, um, have similar belief systems and are helping my children see the good in the world around them. I, I think that's all important. Yeah, and Emerson, why do we why do we do this? Uh, to connect people to people and people together. Yep. Charlie is always so happy when we bring him stuff, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And how does that make you feel? It makes me feel happy that he's happy. Why would you tell other people it's important to to reach out to to others to make those connections? Uh, because. During this, um, it's really hard and... You can make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Did getting to know him make a difference for you too? Yeah? So, you both kind of maybe felt a little less lonely? <laughs> yeah. And I think in, when you're making a difference, it, how does that make you feel when you know that you're making a difference? Um. It makes you feel like you're noticed. And you're important. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do you have any advice for other people that might 
want to reach out to, to friends or people that if they haven't met before? Do you have any suggestions you tell them? Just to make connections. And how about reminding us how old you are, Emerson? 11. You're 11, and your sister, Avery, is? 13. 13. We appreciate you sharing about that because it might inspire other people, too, to have those kind of relationships and to know that even an 11-year-old who might not realize it can make a difference in someone's life and make them happy, huh? Yeah, and you've done that. Thanks for doing that. And I know Charlie has made you feel happy, too, and made you feel special. Yeah, pretty special that he made us a, uh, that he went out at, I believe, 96 years old and built a bird feeder for us and brought us a big thing of bird seed <laughs> and a book of birds. COVID allowed for some unique and special relationships to occur. They continued to send gifts back and forth to one another. Charlie shared pottery that his wife had made with them, and he built them a birdhouse and delivered it on Christmas Eve. And they continued to create things, and back and forth, they had this special relationship. They took the time, and, and many of us did that during our time. We recognized how important it was to stay connected at 11 years old, Emerson sure understood that. And I hope that we can continue to do that, to be intentional about relationships as we move forward. And yet at the same time, during the past year, we also felt pretty distant from one another. We didn't always feel accountable to one another. And I noticed, I mean, I wasn't here, but I noticed where I was, that there was a mistrust culture that started to develop. Social media didn't help that. In fact, I think it might have created it. I watched as friendships fell apart because of things people posted and comments that were made. I think it was easy to respond and not have to worry about the consequences when we didn't see each other regularly at the time. Love wasn't our driving force in communication Ephesians 4 tells us to speak the truth in love. But I think that's really hard to do when we're not connecting one-on-one -on -one or connecting in person. And social media and Facebook are just not mediums for speaking the truth in love. It's nearly impossible to disagree in a loving way. And I know many people were hurt by that. Friendships were lost, and it's easy to feel lost and alone. But now, as we're back opened up, we have the opportunity to find healing, to revive our relationships, to recognize that disagreement is a part of life, and we will disagree as Christians. No one says that as Christians we always have to agree. In fact, that's one of the things I love about being United Methodist. It's built into our fabric the notion that we will see things differently. But what we do have to agree on is the love of Christ and extending that to everyone. When we love first, we come to understand that though we disagree, we can always respect each other and even learn from each other. When we have honest to God, real conversation, for we are the church, and as the church, we love as Christ loved, 
And that really is the best way to love. A pastor friend of mine told me about a girl named Jenny who was 17, and she found fault with everything about church, from the teaching methods that were used to the time of worship. She resented her parents for making her go to Sunday school. And so every week she would sit in Sunday school with her arms folded, slumped in a folding chair, refusing to make friends, refusing to participate in discussions. It was very clear that she didn't want to be there. One night, Jenny came home to find her parents huddled in the driveway in bathrobes Their house was engulfed in flames. They watched all their worldly possessions consumed in blazes. The fire department desperately worked in vain. It was a tragedy that Jenny would never forget. And shortly after the fire, something happened. It took Jenny by surprise. Some girls from her Sunday school class came to visit her, and one handed her an envelope, and Jenny opened it, trembling, It was filled with money. It's from everyone in our Sunday school class. We took up a collection. And Jenny never wanted to be a part of that class. But they showed her love and affection anyway. I received a lot more than money that day, she later said. I experienced the unconditional love and a fresh fresh realization of what it means to belong to the church. Now, it would have been easy for that Sunday school class to say, oh, well, too bad, she didn't like us anyway. We'll just leave her alone. After all, Jenny wasn't that nice to them. But when we're the church, we love no matter what. Because we've accepted the love that Christ offers to us, and so we love others in response. Relationships take intentionality and respect. We need to find time to spend time together, listening and affirming each other. We may feel distanced from some of our relationships because of time away, because of differing views, because of the energy it took just to get through our most difficult days these past years. But they are a gift, these relationships. They're a gift to us from God. So let's treat them like that and find time for the people that we love. Find ways to grow closer. Find ways to love each other like God loves us. For that really is the best way to love. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.